This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, 62 burger time. Kind of hard to not get a little excited when you see that kind of offense time. Will things come back down to earth or will this just be the start of something new time? Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time. For the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous Chamber of Commerce Monday afternoon here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. Not just me on this edition of the podcast, although I hope you all listening out there. I hope you're, hope you're doing well. Hope your weekend was good. I imagine if you're a t- Tennessee fan, it probably was a good weekend. And to talk a little bit more about that weekend, uh, let's go over to that undisclosed location there in an undisclosed part of this world to get the one the only Patrick Brown on here Pat what is up you caught me in the middle of a swig of water so uh, we're off to a great start on this Monday well I, I, uh, I was looking at the I, I didn't have the, the video of you up here on this zoom video call I had a I had the something like the a different page up so I didn't see that you were drinking water or I wouldn't have tossed it to you right then yeah bad timing we don't have our uh, rhythm down um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, getting back from Columbia yesterday and, uh, yeah, it's already a new week here in that part of the season where it's, uh, it's, you just, you flip the page real fast and stuff throughout a week and season the meat of its SEC schedule. And, um, now we're going to see how they, uh, handle some success. Yeah, that's true. And I do think that, I think that's a really good topic for the second segment. You, you read my mind on that, Pat. I think we got to discuss sort of, you know, is Tennessee really ready to be pretty decent or was that just the high watermark of the season and then the the reality of things is going to set in I think that's a really fascinating discussion moving forward uh, because this is a winnable game for Tennessee a game Tennessee's favored to win by 12 points so obviously the odds makers believe that Tennessee should be able to handle things pretty comfortably this week South Carolina struggled like hell against Troy over the weekend in a game that really the Gamecocks just made a lot of just bad mistakes in that game, but they made a couple big plays on defense, special teams, things of that sort, and were able to uh, to to kind of pull away a little bit there late and, and win the game. But man, that game could have just as easily gone the other way. So so South Carolina, like Tennessee, is in a rebuilding mode, and I think Tennessee's probably a little bit ahead right now. I think it's probably fair to say. But before we move on and talk about that, I do think we need to clean up some things from that game on Saturday. Pat, you, you had another you had a travel day, right? The rest of us were sitting here at home kind of trying to process it. You were doing that while sort of crisscrossing in aerial routes across the country. And uh, so I'm sure you had some time to, to ponder in between some Sunday travel naps. What, um, what, what, how did that happen? basically is my question. We know that Mizzou is bad, right? We know Mizzou's defense is bad. Mizzou fired its defensive line coach on Monday. 
So, he you got, know, things are bad Brumbaugh. there. Yeah, yeah he, he did get Jimmy Brumbaugh. But, y- you know, it, it's – there's some perspective on that helps because I think it's important to note just how bad Mizzou is. But other teams hadn't made Mizzou look anything like that also. So you have well, to give credit to Tennessee. Well, it, yeah, I mean, if you want to get into the transitive property, I mean, the Kentucky team that beat Florida – uh, on Saturday, that was before we, our podcast was before that game. But uh, yeah, the Kentucky team that, that played for a full four quarter game with Missouri beat Florida. The, the Boston College team that needed overtime to beat that Missouri team uh, had two great chances to beat Clemson in Clemson. So, yeah. um, and that, that kind of gets back to the point where uh, <laughs> for pretty much everybody in the SEC outside of Georgia and Alabama, I mean, and probably Vanderbilt at the other end of it. Anybody can eat, probably beat anybody in, in any given week of the season, and, and that's why you you know you saw some pretty exciting games the other the other night with uh, Auburn, LSU, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. I mean, you, you you've seen how tight this league can be, um, other than the top two and maybe the, the bottom one. Sorry, Commodores. Um, so that's you know. It, it depends on how you show up on Saturdays and, and Missouri didn't show up and Tennessee did. Um, and if you're Tennessee, kind of, as we talked about, you're hoping that uh, you can replicate a lot of the stuff that led up to that. <clears throat> and certainly uh, as the players and the staff got back in on Monday to sort of hit the reset button, uh, uh, you're showing them what went wrong. You're showing them, Hey, we can still do better. This you're showing them, Hey, we gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. Hey, Missouri was six to ten on third down. We need to be tighter here. Um, you know they didn't miss many opportunities in the passing game, and, and certainly they ran for uh, a crap ton of yards. Yeah, so four fifty. Uh, but you're yeah. but you're still finding things that that hey, we can do better on this. Um, and you're hoping that. Uh, and you had a good question to hype on Monday about players seeing that this level of execution when it when this offense when the schemes are, are executed like they're supposed to be, what the potential is, and and you would hope that. Uh, certainly they don't get satisfied with more. And I don't, I don't, I don't get a sense that Tennessee will be satisfied, but um, I, I do think there are, um, I, I do think that this is one of those deals where you see what happened when you do this, when you do a B happens. And if you're Tennessee staff, you hope that you can do that moving forward on a weekly basis. Yeah. Our good friend, Spencer Hall had a really good tweet during the, the game on or during, during not Tennessee's game, but during a game on Saturday, just he was watching a bunch of games and he tweeted in the sec. It's sort of Saturday felt like kind of a market correction Saturday in, in terms of you, you wondered, okay, you know, Georgia and Alabama are at that top ring, but is anyone sort of near them? Is it are all are, is Arkansas near them? Is Ole Miss near them? We found out Saturday that's not the case. The market sort of corrected itself, right? The only thing that was weird was, well, Kentucky held off Florida in a game that Kentucky historically almost always finds a way to lose. Uh, and, and so that was that was the change. And, and so now we're, we're seeing an SEC start to take shape and start to take form as, as one where we know Bama and Georgia are at the top. I would go – I wouldn't even go them in their own class. I would go Bama 1, Georgia 2 – and then the rest of the league, sort of. I, I don't. I don't. I still think putting Georgia on Bama's level, Georgia's going to have to to go win that one, you know, to to really sort of consistently be on that level. Kirby Smart's got to take his program to that level. But my point here is, I think we're seeing that where you got Georgia and Alabama up here at the top of the Bama and Georgia at the top of the league. 
then you got the middle of the league, and then you have the bottom of the league. I think we all know Vandy's at the bottom of the league, right? My working theory now, uh, and I'll, this is a, I'll postulate this, I suppose you could say, is that maybe you've got Mizzou or Vandy, Mizzou, and South Carolina on that very bottom rung, and then Tennessee might be closer to that middle group than that back group. And that's important for Tennessee because it shows you to start this rebuild, maybe you're not starting completely from the bottom. I mean, Tennessee has now, if it takes care of South Carolina on uh, on Saturday and takes care of Vandy later in the season, that's two straight years where you've beaten all those teams. And you've gone – you're, it might be good news for the long-term rebuild is that you might not be in that bottom group. You might be closer to that middle group. Still a million miles away from the top, but so are a lot of other people, right? Yeah, and I made this point in, in making my prediction for the Missouri game is that that was the type of game Tennessee has to start winning regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't you can't start thinking about beating Florida and, and Georgia uh, and, and the upper upper echelon teams in this league until you beat the teams you historically are supposed to beat. And Tennessee is, uh, you know, we say historically, I mean, I think Tennessee, I think that Tennessee-Missouri series is five and five now, right? Believe that's so, a yes. team that That's a team that you would expect Tennessee to beat on a regular basis, um, just given the history of the programs, although Missouri has had some, you know, they had a pretty good recent run there from uh, – right before they joined the league. And even when they joined the league, they won the division twice. So um, that's a program that, that has had probably more recent success since Tennessee's success. But sure. um, certainly those are the games as you work your way back up uh, the the pecking order or the ladder in, in your division, you have to win those games against the Vanderbilts and the, and the South Carolinas and the Missouris of the world. And, and Kentucky, I think, is – I mean, I, I don't think it's a fluke that they're – what are they, 5-0 and o now? Correct, and, yes. That's, uh, you know, I, I've stated my case on, on where things are with Stoops. But um, I, the thing with Tennessee moving forward is they looked great on Saturday. It was a really good performance, but it's just not going to be that easy again. And it's not, it, you know, yep. it might be. There might be a Saturday where they show up and, you know, maybe South Carolina doesn't show up. Or maybe uh, maybe Kentucky does what it typically does against Tennessee and, and sees the orange jerseys and just remembers that it's, his, you know, it's it's right. It's birthright is to lose to Tennessee more often, you know, on a, on and, yeah, a really consistent basis. Also, in the way Kentucky, it's not like that's going <clears> to <throat> offense is going to put up forty or fifty points consistently either, and and that makes that Tennessee game for Kentucky probably something that in the back of their mind is going to be a concern. Is that it, it doesn't? It still doesn't want to get in a track meet. It wants to kind of play physical, slow it down you know, kind of use the muscle. Yeah. And, and and I don't know that if Tennessee can spread the field to make them uncomfortable, that could be an uncomfortable game for them. And, and that's, you know, and that's a Kentucky team that was in a four-quarter battle with Chattanooga. No no offense to the mocks. Correct. Uh, but, you know, who knows what happens if there's not a late pick six in that game. So, um, that and it's like Heupel said on Monday, if you, if you start comparing scores and get into the transitive property in the sport for everybody but the top, two teams and you know even Clemson's falling back to earth and Ohio State lost to Oregon who lost to Stanford you know all these things aside from Alabama and Georgia who are on another level from everybody particularly in this conference if you try to get into comparing scores and transitive property you're just gonna you're, you're gonna drive yourself crazy and it's not gonna make any sense so that's why you know you know fans hear that Heifel talks about you know 12 it's 12 game season but it's 12 one week seasons you know we're getting into some butch-ass cliche territory there 
but it's true. It's right. It, 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 and, and he pointed out on Monday that they're only as good as however they look against South Carolina, right? Because beating Missouri 62 to 24 is not going to mean hill of beans when they get out there and, uh, and they're playing a different team that's got different strengths and different weaknesses. And, um, is certainly not going to maybe lay down as much as Missouri did. I, you know, I think South Carolina for, uh, for the problems that they have with that roster, um, Beamer seems to be that kind of rah-rah guy, right? Like he's always going to have his team play really hard. Yeah. They might not execute right and they may be out-talented a lot, but, you know, I, I think they're going to get South Carolina's best shot. Um, and so that's what matters now. You know, what you did last week doesn't matter. What they did against Florida when, you know, that game didn't have an you know impact on what they did against Missouri. So um, that that's the reset button that they have to hit. And, uh, and this is, you know, the hypo was asked on Monday if, if beating Missouri like changed his expectations for you. He was like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. And that's that's the nature of, of a coach is you're not looking past the next game. And, uh, and for Tennessee, this next game has to be one where they don't dwell too much on what they did last week and, and start filling themselves a little bit. And then they come out and South Carolina hits them in the mouth. Well, you can spout cliches, but if you spout them with a less punchable face, it helps. And, and so, you know, it, you know, Heupel doesn't really have one of those punchable faces. So he can go out there and, and say some of those cliches. And it's like, okay, you know, you're not bothering me yet. So, I mean, that, that, that's a good thing, right? And, and I think that there is truth in a lot of what he's saying. And I said we were going to talk about this in the second segment, but we're going to go ahead and probably just do it now because that's the way we're going here. Uh, organic, organic podcasting here. I, I, I think this week will tell us a tremendous amount about Tennessee. And I wrote my column after the game on Saturday about competitive character, right? Because I, if you remember talking to Dave Matter from Missouri, uh, from the St. Louis Post Dispatch, you know, the, the reigning FWAA beat writer of the year, a guy who who knows and works his beat as well as anyone. And he said that he had a hard time picking the game, and he picked Mizzou in a close game because Tennessee and Mizzou in so many ways looked the same in terms of their schedules, who they'd played, lost a game they probably should have won against an ACC, a middle-of-the-road ACC team, you know, lost another game where things didn't go the way they wanted them to go and they made some mistakes in the second half. They just – a lot of their schedules sort of looked the same. Uh, but Tennessee had come back from getting, you know, punched in the mouth in the final 15 minutes at Florida and really showed a lot of competitive character in that game. And Mizzou – I know Drinkwood said they got a stop on fourth and goal at the one, even though they really didn't. It was a touchdown. It just wasn't called that way. It was definitely a touchdown. And then they drove 99 yards for a touchdown. He said that was evidence of his team competing. And I say, okay, fair enough, but go look at some of those plays on those touchdown plays for Tennessee on replay. I can. Sh- it's pretty easy to circle one or two Mizzou guys who aren't playing that hard. And, and that that sort of thing is – is important because if Tennessee wants to get from where it is now and where it's been to where it wants to go, it's going to have to have ridiculous competitive character on a weekly basis because this team's depth in some areas is still at a point where if, if a couple of guys aren't playing hard, they're screwed. If a couple of guys get hurt, they're in big trouble. They're going to have to play through some pain. They're going to have to take play through some punches in the mouth and they're going to have to compete like crazy every week. And you can't expect everything to go the way it did Saturday. That's just not going to happen very often when every little thing falls into place. But I think you, you, we learned a lot about the competitive character of the Vols last week, and I think we're going to learn a lot this week too because if they come out 
and they back off just a little bit, they could very easily lose this football game. But if they go out there and they play hard, they should take care of business here, and it shouldn't be, you know, a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and and this is, you know, South Carolina is not a great team. I mean, this is a team that, uh, you know, had to play down on the wire with East Carolina and, and Troy. Yep. So, and uh, they well, they got I mean they got blown out by Georgia, but that you know so does everybody. Um, take it, take and, a number, they, take a number, they, right? They, they they played Kentucky close, but. I think Kentucky just seems to play a lot of close games. That's kind of where they're built. And I think that was a game South Carolina was plus three in turnovers and still couldn't score more than 10 points. So, um, you know, that this is a, a limited team with a, a roster in a similar limited situation that the Tennessee's is in to a degree, but um, the falls aren't anywhere close to being able to just show up and beat anybody in this league. Agreed. Probably. I mean, maybe they could be Tennessee tech, if they show up, but, I mean, it, it, it's not something where they can, and I. It would be very disappointing, and I wouldn't expect it for for Tennessee to come, you know, beat to the point of feeling themselves just because they beat Missouri by thirty eight points. I mean, I I think, and I think coming back home too, some of the third uh, that that will be harped on as motivation, and, and certainly, you know, sometimes the staff and hype will seem a little bit laid back, but I assure you that behind the scenes, I'm sure they're not letting anybody any any even the smallest smidgen of success go to anybody's head right now yeah if i if i'm one of tennessee's coaches no matter how they practice on monday or tuesday i would ride them a little bit i i you know it's one of those days where you know coaches have those days and i've seen rick barnes be like hey this is going to be his day and no matter what this guy does everything he does that day is wrong and you get all over him and you you just you make sure he's not comfortable this week would be a good time early in the week for tennessee's coaches to go out there and sort of do a little come-to-Jesus stuff, even if they have to fake it a little bit, just to go out there and get in these guys' heads and be like, listen, you're not what you think you are. You're not great. We need to keep playing. So I just I don't think this is a week where they're just going to be lovey-dovey with them. I think they're going to have to uh, – and if I were their coach, certainly I would understand it, why you want to, to make sure that they're staying on edge this week. So we'll see if they do that. There's plenty more to discuss in the second segment of this podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about the – Hey, Tennessee's admitting it's starting quarterback is it's starting quarterback now, so that's that's interesting. That's something new. Uh, plus a couple other quick notes on the the wide receiver depth chart being like surprisingly got trimmed down quite a bit in that game on Saturday. Also, a quick note about hey, did you know Tennessee's top twenty five nationally in run defense? Who in the hell would have ever predicted that? A few other things to discuss before we do that. We're going to step away, pay some bills, products, uh, services, in house ads, all those other fun things. We'll be right back. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to the go vols 24 7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services and in-house ad you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break west rucker coming to you from fort rucker studio patrick brown coming to you from an undisclosed location here on just a beautiful monday in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, beautiful, beautiful stuff out there today. Yards looking great. The birds are the birds are chirping. Everything for everybody in this town goes better when Tennessee is winning. Tennessee wins a game. I've said this before. It's like Prozac to a town. Like everything just sort of flows a little bit better in this happy mountain town. Whenever the Vols are out there doing what they should do in either football or basketball, it just it, it, it it's a different baseball too. Just a, a different air in this town when things are going well for Tennessee. So plenty more to discuss in this second segment. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, guys, take about 90 seconds out of your day right now if you can, and please, please, please go out there and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, no problem. We love you. That's great. No wrong way to listen to this podcast. But what really helps is out if you go in there and Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world. You can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVolf 24-7 podcast. And we do this for free, and we're happy to do it. But the only thing we ask for is if you could go in there and rate and review and subscribe. That helps us grow this thing as we've done since we've started it years ago. And it's been a really fun ride. So let's keep it going. Let's keep getting it bigger. Let's, let's, let's make it a behemoth. Uh, and, and that comes down to you all ultimately at the end of the day. Uh, so please, please, please go in there, rate and review and subscribe. Pat? I thought it was interesting. Uh, we were sitting there waiting for Josh Heupel to, to talk to us this afternoon uh, in his sort of 12, 12, 15, or whatever it is, p.m. presser on Mondays. And you looked at me and kind of smiled and was, were like, hey, look, they actually put Hendon Hooker on top of the depth chart this week. So I guess all you have to do to finally go on top of the depth chart is play every meaningful snap in a game for an offense that scores 62 points on the road against a, an SEC team. I think that that probably helps you go back atop the depth chart officially. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we post the depth chart every week, uh, and, and it's important to note that it hardly is worth more than the uh, paper that it's printed on. Correct. Um, Tennessee's media relations staff does a great job. They're the ones that are in charge of the game notes that have the depth chart in it. There's usually one to two minor changes a week. Uh, but at this point of the season, I mean, what what's on that piece of paper is kind of irrelevant because we all see what happens on Saturdays, right? We all see who plays, who plays when, who plays how much, who doesn't play. We all see that. Um, so that that obviously means more than what they print on the depth chart. So it, I, I was really surprised when when 
uh, Heifel was asked about the ore being gone. There was no ore. I think the ore was between, uh, wasn't it between Hooker and Bailey as the backup? I mean, so, the, so that was bizarre to me. And then it was like, well, it's Hooker year one this week. I'm like, yeah, he started last three games and played pretty good. Do we need to really ask this question? I mean, still interesting the way that Hypo uh, answered it by saying he's number one this week. Basically, well, just I mean, telling everyone, hey, you know, it could change any time, guys. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though, is, you know, going into the season and there's been a discussion about, oh, Hypo got the decision wrong and Joe Milton sucks and blah, blah, blah. How could they have, you know, all this stuff? Well, the staff could only base what, you know, what they saw in the decision on what they saw in practice, which, you know, Joe Milton was the best quarterback in the preseason. By far, I hurt. thought. Yes, by far. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it was a particularly close battle because it was decided about two weeks before the opener. So, or, or maybe even a little bit longer than that. So, uh, I mean, and then he gets hurt first half of the second game. That's why Hayden Hooker is playing. Now, to Hooker's credit, he's come in and, and, and taken advantage of his opportunity, which we've seen some guys do on this team already. Uh, we saw with some of the young guys in the, in the secondary last week or, or against Missouri. So, um, that – it's you know and i don't know that we have a large enough sample size on milton to say that he you know was you know lost it because of performance he lost it because he got hurt and the other guy came in and started playing better and that's what we said when yep. milton won the job is that he for he he won the job to, he, he won the opportunity to get the first crack at it yes and and we all know this we've, we've been enough around you know this fan base has been around enough quarterback competition to know that's the case that if you win it in preseason then you have to keep it by how you play we, we all know that so um, yeah, to me, that was, that was a kind of a non-issue. It was like one of those things that's like, Oh, he said he's a starter. Well, well, no crap. I mean, that's what, true. What else, what more do you need to know? I mean, he put up two ninety nine and four touchdowns on, uh, the other day. So, or I'm sure how many do you have? They, they've three. changed the stats a few times. Yeah. So I, I don't, think right I don't now, know. Right, right now they got him at two twenty five and three scores, I think 15 of 19. Right. Right. So, I mean, he, he's doing what he can do. He, he's doing, you know, what we saw Hooker do at Virginia Tech. He's now doing it at Tennessee. So, um, and he's playing really well right now. And, and, and uh, yeah, there's, there's no question that he's the guy. And I think that's become pretty evident over the past, really the past two games. If you want to throw Tennessee Tech in there as well, I think it's probably a little bit more of the last couple games. And, um, and it's good that they have him because I think we said going into the season, West that he was, a pretty good kind of security blanket yeah. with what they were going to have. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, I, don't, I, I was really surprised that that was even kind of a question on Monday, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. Um, and one thing I think it's also interesting that, that Heupel said, you know, he's the number one this week because Heupel talks about 12 sort of one week seasons. And so this week is the season to him. So if you, <laughs> excuse me, if you want to parse it that way, then it, it makes even more sense. But what I think is interesting Tennessee played, I think, on Saturday. Obviously, you could say, yeah, they played the way they wanted to play. They scored 62 points and should have had 70, of course, Wes. Uh, But what I'm saying is, I think in terms of run-pass distribution, I think the way they played that game ideally is what they thought this offense maybe could be. And by that, I mean when you're only throwing it you know, 19 times or 20 times in a game, you're not getting as many wide receivers involved. That's just the nature of things. And I thought it was really, really interesting that uh, I believe 16 of Hooker's 19 uh, or, or 16 or so of those targets, you know, uh, went, went to went to receivers, right? Or, or there were 19 passes, so there were 19 targets. And 16 of those 19 
went to wide receivers and only three, only three wide receivers. Uh, you had Velas Jones Jr. getting targeted eight times, I believe. You had um, Cedric Tillman getting targeted six times and Javante Payton two times. That means that you, they spent an entire game where you're talking about no targets for Jimmy Callaway, none for Jalen Hyatt, and none for Walker Merrill, who had been the team's leading receiver in week two of the season. So things obviously change there, and I think, Pat, that's a case of coaches, as the season goes along, you start to realize, okay, who if everybody's out there healthy, who are my guys I can trust? And that takes that takes time sometimes with a new coaching staff. they got to figure out who they got, what they got, who's going to fit in this system in a game, how is this going to work, who can they count on. And I think you saw in that game that they moved Valus Jones Jr. a lot to the inside, which if you're going to do that, that means that guys like Hyatt, Callaway, and Merrill aren't going to be as big of a factor because that had sort of been their spot. But now if you got Valus Jones coming inside with Peyton and Tillman on the outside, that's sort of your main three wide receivers. So from the outside looking in, we don't know if there's anything going on with Hyatt or Callaway, if there's still any injuries or, or whatever else it is. We, we don't know. But they're out there. They're available and they, they didn't play much, if at all. And those well, guys Callow- – go ahead. Callow- Callaway didn't play at all. He's not on the participation report. Uh, Merrill is on there. If he played, he played late. Um, I, I don't have the list. Tennessee only traveled 10 wide receivers. Jimmy Holiday was not one of the 10 guys that traveled. Yep. Uh, neither was Anderson Kobe, who was uh, – I don't think he's played a whole lot this season, but was a guy that, that at various points of the spring and preseason looked like he might be a factor in the rotation. But, yeah, I mean, they, they trimmed it to – uh, to those three guys, and, and and Hyatt was in the game early. I think he was in the game on on Tyon Evans's long touchdown run. I think. Um, I have to go back and, and look, but I bet you're right. Yeah, and, but other than that, he didn't really play a whole lot till late. And, and late in the game, they had Grant Furking was on the field. Um, you know, Ramel Keaton was playing some too uh, as one of those other guys. So, I mean, yeah, they they traveled ten receivers, and Jimmy Callaway didn't play. Holiday wasn't there. And, and, um, and, so, and yet Furking did travel, which I thought was really interesting. Well, so did Jack Jancic as well. So at one point, you know, since he was up by so much, they really should have tried to recreate some of that uh, orange and white game magic with Harrison Bailey and Jack Jancic. So that was a missed <laughs> opportunity from the balls there. Yes, it was. Um, which should they have played the starters as long as they did a whole other conversation and why they were still running Hinton Hooker early in the fourth quarter at 55-17 was mind-blowing at the time, um, especially when he gets like horse collared twice. It's like yeah. the quarterback hurt. You know, if he gets hurt right there, you you look like a like a kind of like a moron. It just but, not kind of like a moron. You look like a moron. But coaches just don't. They don't like changing quarterbacks in the middle of a series. They just don't like doing it. I don't. If, I don't know why, but they a, just don't do it. Even if there's a quarter break in the middle of the series, they just don't do it. Whoever starts a series almost always finishes that series. It's just it's a coaching well, that, thing. That, it's weird, but it, it's it's what coaches do. It's one of those overthinking things that coaches do, like when they go shotgun um, on short yardage. Yes, that's true. Just, just kidding. I'm trying to get you. I'm trying to get you triggered because I know that's one of your buttons. I mean, <laughs> it technically did get stopped again in that game, but the, it really, it really, <laughs> it really did Because they actually they scored, scored, I think, a- twice on that series. They scored twice, I think, and, and neither one was counted. And then they had another one that that where they scored, and it was called a score. And then replay saw something that apparently no one else in the free world could see and decided it was not a touchdown. Whoever was the replay official in that game, uh, I, I got to be real, SEC. Th- that's a hard job, uh, but you got to get somebody better than that because that dude blew it a lot. He was bad. <laughs> he was bad, bad, you, bad. Get, getting, getting back to the receivers, you know, they've talked about playing Bayless inside for a few weeks now. 
um, and, and just trying to get him worked in there. And I wonder if, if he had been healthy during the preseason, if this hadn't happened earlier, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, if he if he doesn't have the hamstring deal and is healthy and is, doesn't have doesn't have to miss as much practice time, he's probably their guy there from the start. Obviously, Peyton isn't the speed guy. He's become the downfield threat, a touchdown in three straight games. Um, that you know he he's what they want in this offense. And, and Bayless, I think, is a good matchup in that slot because he's a yak guy and yards after catch is his thing. And he had. Uh, what did the box score have him? I think it had him as – I need to look it up. The box score had yeah, him with I, – I think Bayless six, has I think Bayless has a much better chance of being a decent player at the next level if he sticks to the slot. I think he could be a guy right. who's productive there. Well, Tennessee didn't score 69 points, but Bayless Jones had uh, 69 yak yards, so nice. Um, but, I mean, nice. that's – I like him in there because um, he's a bigger body – so he can make some of those contested catches uh, against traffic. He's quick enough to stretch the field vertically. He can, and, and probably the main thing is again, he can he can do stuff with the ball in his hands and let the other two guys sort of stretch the field. Um, Peyton and, and Tillman obviously is a guy they love. He's not left the lineup hardly at all this year. Played a bunch of snaps and finally got a touchdown. <laughs> After all the touchdowns that guy has missed, you felt good for him to finally get one. Yes, that's um, true. the other day. So that those are the three guys. Like I said, I don't know if they're trying to send a message to the younger guys about uh, you know not dropping balls and and you know I had a couple of routes against Florida that didn't bad. look great. They were bad. A couple of them um, were really bad. The, the throws weren't great on him either. But you know maybe that's a detail where maybe he should have should have been you know wasn't running the right depth or you know wasn't running where he needed to be run be running, but. Uh, yeah, those are three guys that they obviously feel the best about right now. And, um, and even Ramel Keaton got in the game, and I think he drew a PI early. So, you know, it, it's fair to wonder where those sophomores are in, in the pecking order right now. And I, I don't want to throw Holiday in there too much just because he's a guy that was hurt a lot in, in camp and he's and been playing on special teams. But, you know, and he's Holiday also, he's has, also a converted quarterback, so let's give him some time. Right, and, and he needed he didn't need to miss a bunch of camp, and he was banged up in the in the spring too. I think he had a shoulder issue. He was working off of a, a postseason deal, um, that so he wasn't full speed. So he he's just got to get healthy. But you know, you look at the some a couple of the biggest mistakes in the Florida game were that, that targeting on Holiday, and the, you know Jimmy Callaway's drop. I'm not saying they got punished for it by not being on the travel roster or not playing, but um, there's probably not. That's probably not a coincidence. Maybe I'm reading too much into no, it. No, no, I I, 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 I think that to me that that screams an accountability decision. You know, I, I think there's when you have young, talented players and you you have options to not play them, uh, you can use that time to teach to, to to teach them some accountability. You know, in some other positions, Tennessee would not have this luxury. At wide receiver, Tennessee has this luxury, and, and I think that might be. Maybe that's not quite fair to some of those kids compared to the others, but you know what? That might help them more in the long run than it does the other guys. Because if there's a you know a linebacker or, or somebody else, offensive lineman who's making mistakes, but they have to keep playing him, maybe he doesn't learn as many lessons as the guy who makes a couple mistakes and then he doesn't play for a bit, and the team has success without him, and he realizes what he's got to do. And that can help those guys in the long run because those guys are talented enough to be fantastic football players. They just need to play a little bit sharper, and they need to focus a little bit more and do some things better. But yeah. that's that's my take on it. Yeah, and and again, just because these guys didn't play a lot in this game, they still may have a role to play in Tennessee season, right? They still got seven games left, right? Yeah. 
that's why that's why that's why everyone doesn't need to get too down on Joe Milton because he's one play away from being the guy again. Yep. And you better hope he plays better than he did. Um, I mean, it's, Pat, he, Pat, it still wouldn't surprise me if 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 like Hyatt or you know Callaway had a hundred or hundred and twenty yard game later in the season. I mean, I think that's still yeah, possible. I mean, there's no telling that there might be a moment when one of those guys gets loose deep and, and has a chance to make a big play in a big game. So, um, you know, we've seen this happen with, you know, Ollie Lane looked really bad against Pittsburgh. A few weeks later, he's back in the starting lineup against Missouri, you know? So, um, you know, it's just sort of the course of the season that, uh, you know, your, your depth gets tested. You have guys get hurt in games, you know, Theo Jackson's played great all season. He goes down in the second quarter you got to throw Tamarian McDonald in there after playing Danico Slaughter. You, you got to, you know, at some point, you know, these guys have different stories to, you know, different, different roles to, to play in the season. And it's the long season. So those guys need to be ready to play. And that's something that Hype will talk about on Monday is uh, talk about a, a good example in Laneith, in Laneith Whitehead. If people were asking us all Sunday and, and Saturday about what happened to Jalen Wright, why is he not the third guy anymore? Well, I think that the reason he's not third guy anymore is because Laneith Whitehead has, has, been on the rise i mean i, I think yeah. that situation says more about whitehead than it does about right because this guy is a guy that hypo has said that you know he's just been really steadily getting better and getting better i think he's a guy that, that jerry mack really likes so um everybody still wants to move him to linebacker for some reason even though he was like a top 50 or top 75 overall prospect at one point right. and he just had a really bad foot injury that 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 one that i don't even want to try to pronounce the liz frank or whatever it is that takes a long time to come back from and some guys never come back from it so that was a big injury for him to come back from right. and maybe we're just now seeing it right and, and jared garantano was was rated as a dual threat prospect a dual threat quarterback prospect i mean what what these guys are rated and all that stuff in high school doesn't mean anything when it gets campus. So, and, and in Whitehead's case, Oh no, I, I, I just meant the Whitehead was a talented guy and it's just maybe the right. injury took a, took him a while to, to everybody to see that again. Right. And again, people wanted to move him the linebacker. Well, he, he wants to play running back. So, you know, we had Quiveris Crouch who wanted to play linebacker because he didn't want to be running back and he wanted to play football longer. So he been, you know, he's playing linebacker. So that's a, that's a personal preference. And, you know, uh, as a staff, you you kind of can't just make those guys play a position they don't want to play because they can just leave. <laughs> and he is in a situation where they can't really afford that. But he's a guy that's just worked his way into a situation where now he's he's an important figure because you know Jabari Small's shoulder issue is not going to go away. Um, he gets it banged up uh, early. You know, you, you saw that he had the, the brace. I think it was on his left shoulder. You could see it coming out from his pads. So that's going to be a situation where he may play some, but he also may not be able to play as much just because he's playing through I, I think he's pretty sore um and, and so that third running back now becomes an important guy because a lot of in a lot of moments he might be the second guy behind Tyon Evans so you know Whitehead's a guy that's worked his way into it and, and that's getting kind of back to the receivers those guys still may have um a, a role to play and, and, and in those cases those guys they're young they're sophomores their freshman season obviously was weird um so but I, I you know I think it's pretty clear Tennessee who, who they feel like they can trust out there and that's something you pointed out was guys they can trust and guys they know can to go get the job done like they want it to be done. Yeah, Small's deal has uh, something that what looks like he's got to play through that and then have postseason surgery or something written all over it. I mean, we've just we've all yeah. seen that book like a million times uh, about what it is. Pat, we I know we got to get out of here, so I'll, we'll get to this extremely quickly, really, really quickly before we get out of here. 
we can't not mention the fact that Tennessee is 24th nationally in rushing defense, which if you had told me that going into the season, that October, going into mid-October or whatever, Tennessee's top 24 nationally in rush defense, I would have laughed until I peed a little. I mean, I just – it would have been – I mean, I just would never have believed that, especially, you know, you got a guy like Juwan Mitchell who's not been able to play much, and yet Tennessee is figuring some things out and has been pretty decent defensively, and that's despite – Emory Jones aside. Yeah, well, yeah, Emory Jones but, – but my point is they've played Emory Jones and Tyler Beatty, who are two of the best runners in this league. One's a quarterback and one's a running back, but these are two of the most productive runners in this league. And Tennessee's played them for 40% of the season. And Tennessee is still top 24 nationally in rushing defense. And I got to tell you, I think a big tip of the cap goes to Tim Banks. I mean, we know Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, some other games could get ugly. But to this point, in games Tennessee has been able to not be just athletically outclassed, Tennessee's been much better than any of us expected defensively. Yeah, I do think the uh, the schedule has to be uh, sure. considered because uh, I'm looking at rushing offense. Bowling Green is dead last in the country. Uh, Pittsburgh is 63rd, which is probably a lot higher than they used to be. I don't know how many yards they had against Georgia Tech. Um, yeah, well, they ran it for 252 on New Hampshire and 223 on UMass. So there, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> so. Um, and then Missouri, I mean, yeah, I think that's the one that gives it a little bit more credibility, although Missouri is only 86th nationally in rushing. So they haven't played some great opponents. They're Tennessee Tech and there's an FCS team. So the teams that aren't great running the ball, they've done a good job stopping, which is still something to be said. There's still something to be said for that. Because, because we, we thought that might not be the case. Right, and because teams that can't run the ball very well are teams that Tennessee will be able to better slow down on defense because they can make them one-dimensional and get them – as we saw with Missouri, a lot of third and longs. Now, Tennessee, you know, Missouri converted some of those third and longs early in the game, but um, those are, you know, when you shut down a guy like Tyler Beatty, who is a guy that can go off on you, um, and I think that's that gives a little bit of credence to it. But again, um, as you mentioned, there's going to be some tougher times coming up, although South Carolina is 103rd rushing, has one rushing touchdown on the season. Are reading that right? Despite having two guys, not one, but two running backs who I think could be pros one day, there's two good well, running backs on that team. Well, Kevin Harris has had the offseason deal with his back, so sure. he's probably not 100%. Clearly not the guy he was last year when he had you know 800,000 yards. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I you know the concerns about the defensive line, not really the concerns, but just the you didn't know what they were going to be. Uh, the bigger concerns are probably a linebacker just because you there was such a wide spectrum of how that could have played out. I mean, they're getting decent play from from Banks. You know, Page and Beasley have been decent. Um, they're not been great, I don't think. But when they do their jobs right and they're in the right position, um, that's when the run defense is really working. And, and there's some times in the game against Missouri where they got swallowed up. There's a time, a lot of times in the Florida game where they were just it's almost like they weren't there because they didn't, you know, they followed the running back when Emory Jones has the ball. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, Jones just outran him in space at times that happens, um, you know, missed a tackle here or there, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll have to see Alabama and Georgia. Certainly the, the numbers will probably correct to the mean after those games. Uh, Ole Miss can run the ball really well too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so far uh, they, they've done a good job. And, and like I said, the credit has to go to, um, to to the staff, Rodney Garner, especially Brian Jean Marie is doing a good job with those linebackers. It's a group that's not played a lot, that you know I think they're doing some good things. And 
And, and run defense isn't just the defense line of linebackers, right? They're getting good play out Theo Jackson. I mean, you look at some of the tackles for loss they had in the Missouri game. It was defensive backs coming up. It was Danico Slaughter making a play. So um, it's a group effort, and they've done a really good job so far. And, and as long as they continue to do a good job of, of getting in the backfield on, on the defensive line and, and, and playing clean with their gaps at linebacker and, and in the secondary, then uh, they can probably continue to sort of exceed, exceed expectations there. But like you said, I think there's going to be some games coming up where the other team's just better and they're not going to be able to stop the run. That's true. And that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a that's a good place to leave this. Although, Pat, before I let you go here, I know we got to hang up. I, I will say that uh, it, you can tell it was a big win for Tennessee or a big weekend. How big was it? Even Bubba Wallace just won a NASCAR race. So uh, congratulations to uh, Bubba Wallace, Vols superfan, became, I believe, the first black driver to win a race in NASCAR since like 1961 or 1963. So just a huge weekend for the Vols overall, right? Even Bubba Wallace getting in on the fun. And Cordell Patterson scored three touchdowns in the game for the Falcons. Yes, he did. Wow. All things are coming up orange right now. On that note, Pat, I know you got to run. I got to run too. So go ahead and get out of here, man. Appreciate it. All right. See you, Wes. And that should just about wrap us up for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Pat for joining us. But most importantly, thanks to y'all out there for listening. Always say it, but always mean it. Appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You can also, if you just want Tennessee news on, on your Twitter feed, uh, nothing else. You can go get that at twitter.com slash govols247. Uh, you can also, when Mark Zuckerberg gets his crap in order, you can go to facebook.com slash govols247 and get tons and tons of stuff on there. But if you want the, the, the best, most delicious East Tennessee pure Smoky Mountain drinking water, go directly to govols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, all things Lady Vols with Marie Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. we got two forums on there, the checkerboard and the summit. That are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where you can come speak with us, uh, the, the five members of the staff, and thousands of Tennessee fans worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can talk about anything that's not political or religious in nature, and we will have fun discussing it. You will have fun, or else. That's not our policy, but it should be. You will have fun. No crying this week. Everybody be happy this week. My goodness, be happy this week. Lots to be happy about. You get access to all of that, plus, what, a couple dozen fresh content items every single day? Access to the best database uh, in all of college sports? All of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs after a seven-day free trial, and I think we got another pretty good promo code of this week, too. So keep an eye peeled out for that. And if you pay us that, which is already just a re- – you get a really, really good deal. On top of that – you also get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. Tons and tons of stuff on there. Got a couple of fresh movies on there with some A-list uh, Hollywood types, some, some, some movies that you were only going to get on Paramount Plus, Queen Pins and some other stuff like that. Lots and lots of good stuff. Quiet Place 2, all kinds of good stuff. Plus, every show CBS has ever made commercial-free, every single one commercial-free. Uh, access to Paramount Plus exclusives like Evil, Picard, some Star Trek stuff, all of that. Uh, you get access to the vaults of, uh, of CBS, uh, Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, all of that. All of that. Plus live sports, vault sports, SEC sports, NFL, PGA Tour, Europa League, uh, UEFA Champions League, CONCACAF qualifying, World Cup qualifying, and other districts. Ev- guys, everything. 
That's a $100 plus annual value that we give you for free. No one else can do that for you. We can. So go take advantage of that right now. Go to GoVols247.com. Uh, if nothing else, you should hear from us oh, by Thursday if there's no big breaking news before then. So until then, guys, be safe. Uh, the COVID numbers are doing a little bit better, but need to keep keep doing better. Get that vaccine. Wear masks when it's appropriate. And if you can't do any of that stuff, at least just be nice to each other. I say this all the time. There's too much nastiness in this world of ours. Try to be kind to somebody. See what happens. See you Thursday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.